So today we're going to continue in our series on faith to move forward, and we're looking at um, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, and we're going to look at faith in the storm. And the big idea that, that I, want to, I want to communicate today, instead of multiple points, we're just going to work through the text, and I want to draw some stuff out. But the point that we have today is exactly what worship hit on, and it's exactly what offering and our transitions have hit on, and that's that we serve an unchanging God. That, you know, though our circumstances change, though our expectations may be violated, though we, things may turn out differently than we wanted them, expected them to, or hoped them to, God remains the same. And so we're going, to be, we're going to be looking at this passage. This falls in a time where Jesus' ministry is increasing. He's just explained to the disciples why he uses parables or stories to teach and instruct. He's in, in, so he's bringing them in closer and he's giving them revelation and he's helping them along. And he's saying, guys, this is how I'm going to be teaching and this is why I'm going to be teaching this way. He's already healed a man with a crippled hand. And he's bringing them along and they're like, man, this guy, this man, Jesus, he's got authority and he's got power and he's doing things that other people don't do. And he speaks with conviction that no man has. And, and so they're drawn closer and closer to him and they're, and, and they're excited about what's possible in Jesus. But they don't fully understand who he is yet. And that's revealed in this text and that's kind of revealed as they walk with him throughout the whole, their whole life with him. They don't really fully understand who he is until he's risen from the dead. But this is definitely an important part of that process, an important step in that journey of knowing him. We find... Um, you know what, let's go ahead and let's read this together. We'll jump in in just a minute. So if you could stand again. We're looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through uh, 41. So on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. So woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and the sea said to be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is God's word to us, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. I ask that it would have its way in us according to your loving kindness and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as I said, my goal today is to really just highlight how we serve an unchanging God, even though our circumstances may change. This, this, whole, uh, this whole encounter is initiated by God, initiated through Jesus when he comes to them late in the day after a day of ministry and, and momentum. And they're sitting here probably basking in, in everything that they've just learned and like, man, we are the inner circle, guys. How cool is that? Let's just, let's just sit here and have a moment because he's brought us in and he's letting us in on everything that he's up to. And then like Jesus loves to do, he comes to them and he's like, surprise, change in plan. I'm calling an audible to you, not an audible to me. I knew this was coming. I was waiting for just the right time to invite you into this we're going we're gonna to go. 
And we're going we're gonna to go across the, the lake. We've got some other work that we've got to do. There's a change of plan. And what we encounter is, is the story that Gilligan's Island was inspired by. They set out on a three-hour tour, and a mighty storm came. And, and, <laughs> but, it, but because Jesus was in the boat, they didn't get stranded for a whole bunch of years. They made it through okay. And it says, that, it says that on that day when evening has come, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. And, and I, I want to I make sure that we understand that in this, we have two invitations. And actually, I think um, I'm going to do this in a different order. He says, let us go to the other side. And, and then the second half of the invitation, or so let us go is the first half. And then across to the other side is the second half of the invitation. Now, the first half of the invitation that we see from Jesus is a, an invitation into relationship. Jesus is saying, let us go to the other side. Me and you, together. I've got somewhere that I, I want you to be, but, but more important than where you're going is who you're going with. And so I want you to come with me. I want you to, to come along with me. I've got this planned out in my mind. I've, I see it ahead. And when Jesus sees it ahead, you always want to go with him. And so the disciples end up deciding to go, but we'll get to that in just a second. But it's not just one person in Jesus. It's Jesus to a group of people. And I think one of the things that we need to hear and understand as a, as a church in today's world, not just Grace Covenant Church in Sterling, but the church in the United States, is that the call of Jesus is not just a call to us and Jesus alone by ourselves. And there's a temptation for that in our individualistic society to say that Jesus is calling me, so it's me and him, bro, we're good. And we've taken our personal Savior and we've made him a private Savior. And we haven't allowed anybody else the benefit of our own growth and maturity and walk with Jesus. And we haven't benefited from the maturity and the growth process of other people either. And that would be a tragedy. And so he's telling them, hey, let's you, me, and all of you go together. Because we're going to experience something together. And intimacy is built over, over shared experiences. And you're going to share an experience today that I need you to experience with other people. Because it's going to teach you more about who I am. And you're going to have to remember this together. So let us go in relationship with one another to the other side. Because I have something that I want to teach you. And the second half of this is, is the mission. We're going to go across to the other side. Now you're like, what's on the other side? I'm glad you asked that question. That question is answered in Mark chapter 5. So immediately after the text that we were reading, you see that on the other side, there was some work waiting for them. There was some mission waiting for them. There were some moments that were getting teed up and God was lining everything up just right so that they would encounter everything in a certain order. And, and they end up meeting this man who has a demon. You know that, that story of the guy who had chains on and he broke the chains off and he, was, he lived among the tombs. He lived, among the, he lived in a cemetery basically because nobody knew what to do with him. He was so dangerous to him not just himself, but to other people that they chained him up in a cemetery and that's where he lived. And then this is the, the account where the, the demons get cast out and they go into the, the herd of pigs and then they run into the water. This is kind of an insane moment. I don't know what you love about Netflix, but I promise you there's more intensity in the Bible than you have in any Marvel movie. And so if you just allow it to come off the page and come alive in our hearts and minds. 
then he, he's also got to hear, heal uh, Jairus' daughter and, and the woman with the issue of blood. And so when he's saying, let's go across, there's, there's clearly, there's a mission. There's something that they're going for and there's a reason that they're going. And so, but the, the risk is that sometimes, some of us are so mission-minded and, and item-oriented item, uh, item that we don't, that we forget about the relationship. Anybody else that way? Like, you're like, I got to get to church. I got to go to small group. I got to join a service team. I've got to do this and I've got to do this. And then you've, you've written yourself 50 commandments that Jesus wasn't really interested in you following through on in the first place, but you've established a nice little rule about how you're going to relate to God so that God can relate to you the way you want him to. And so what we have is we can be so mission-oriented or so task-oriented, getting to the other side, that we miss out on the relationship that God intends for us to walk in. Now, some of us err on the other side. We're so relationship-oriented that we forget that we're supposed to do something while we're here. And so, you know, it's like, man, I got, I've got the way that I read my Bible and the way that I worship, and, and I'm, I'm, good, I'm so good just to have this all by myself. Or there's, there's, there's small group situations where you're like, hey, we're just going to worship Jesus and we're just going to love him. You know, just hurricanes be darned. We're, we're just going to love each other. And I've heard them called holy huddles, right? So it's just like you're, you're just together and just bless God. And yes, Lord, it just we love you. And you, you forget in, in all of your loving of him and all of his loving of you that there's something that he calls you to do. Right? Not to, not to knock any. I've, I am the king of the holy huddle. I, Josh, I was like expert holy huddle builder. Right? That's what, that's, yes, that was my job for a long time. My self-appointed job. Not what the church wanted me to do. It's what I appointed myself to be through high school and college. It was like, I will gather all the Christians and we will just read the Bible all the time and just love it and love being loved. And we should certainly love being loved, but we should certainly allow that love to motivate us to good works that God has set aside for us to do in advance and ahead of time. Amen? So which side? Let's just take a vote. Just I feel super participatory today. Who falls on the relationship side? Raise your hand and say, me. That was, those are our introverts. So... <laughs> So I, I, that's a pri- I wasn't expecting that, but it's a, so who's more task and project oriented? Say me. Yeah. See the introverts kept to themselves. They're like halfway up and didn't talk. And then the extroverts are like, yeah, let's get to business with everybody. You got to understand how you are because God made you a certain way. And, 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 but, but we need to cooperate with that. And every way that we are made needs to come under the, the lordship of Jesus and be sanctified to his glory. So it's not, well, I'm just a relationship person. And so I'm not going to do the task because that would be to sit down real hard and refuse to be used by God the way he wants to use you. And you can't go the other direction. Well, you know, I just, I just get stuff done and that's how I am. Relationships be darned. I, who needs them? Because that would be to refuse the shaping and the molding that the Holy Spirit intends and desires to bring to your life. Can everybody say amen? amen. All right. I hope I hurt everybody's feelings now. So what we see is this, this call to relationship and they see this mission and we're going to go to the other side. And actually, let me go back just a little bit. And you see that, um, whoops, I don't know how to use this. That one's dead. Oh, here we go. So and leaving the crowd, they took him 
with them in the boat just as he was and the other boats were with him. Now here's the thing about going with Jesus is you need to take him how he is. You don't get to take him how you want him to be. You don't, get to, you don't get to make him the object of your own creation or the object of your own desire. He is the object of his own desire, and he's the one who made all of us. And so it is the immovable force that we need to come in line with. He's not the one who we look to seek to manipulate and move and shape and put him where we want to take him. I promise you, if you get into relationship with Jesus, he's going to introduce him into every part of your life and make you real uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you're like, I'll invite you right here. Have you ever had somebody over to your house? And you're like, oh, sure, come on into the kitchen. And you walk away for a second, and then you come back, and they're like in the living room. And you're like, oh, I hope the living room was okay. (laughs) Right? Or like I've invited people into the house, and and it's like, oh, Megan, they'll be here just for a minute. And they'll come out of the bathroom, and I'll be like, oh, no. (laughs) Because we just had every kid in the neighborhood in our house, and I know what that bathroom looks like and smells like and feels like. And that's awful. But it's like the guest went somewhere that you didn't expect them to go, and you're gonna, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's like, oh, I didn't want you to see that. <laughs> I didn't expect you to know that about us. Um, but here we are, friends. Hey, we're family now. Really, you've seen that. We're family. We're, and we don't, family doesn't talk about this outside of here. So that's just how the family rules. It's just that's how this relationship's going to work. Cool? Or I'm moving. <laughs> For, um, But we've got to take him just as he is. And he's going to introduce himself into the areas of our lives that we don't necessarily want him to be, but we so desperately need him to be in. And so when we step into this relationship, this is the whole reason we avoid the relationship in the first place, isn't it? Because we're like, I don't know what he's going to put my hands on, what his hands on, put his hands on. And and so let me just shortcut this for you. Every part of your life. (laughs) Jesus is concerned with every part of your life. Now, I'm not telling you that he's, he's like, you know, if you don't leave here stressed out, like, should we go to McDonald's or should we go to, like, should we go to Los Totecos? Like, what do I do? Chick-fil-A's closed. And clearly that would be God's choice. So I, like, what do I, what do I do? God loves chicken. I don't know. So don't leave here stressed out, but just leave here ready to embrace him into every area of our life. Because unlike any human, he comes in with love that's perfected, with love that's perfect. And his goal is to perfect us. So when we enter into this relationship and we welcome him into the places of our life, certainly it's discomfort. Certainly, certainly there's some anxiety about having that revealed to him, but it's nothing he didn't know anyway. It's nothing that he doesn't know in its fullness anyway. In fact, he understands the condition of your heart much better than you do. You ever been so mad you didn't even understand why? Because we don't even understand the condition of our own heart. But Jesus does, and that's the whole reason that he came the way he did. So he says, let's go to the other side. And and they responded when God called them. Now, they responded because they imagined it would be a certain way, right? And many of us say yes to Jesus because we imagine it to be a certain way because we're still in the business of shaping him into our perfect Jesus. Talladega Nights, an eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, right? So, like, we're like, I'll take my Jesus right where I put him. And I take him just like I like him. But he's getting ready to introduce them to some circumstances that they weren't anticipating, that they didn't know about, but they didn't surprise him. And so uh, this great windstorm comes along. Um, And and this great windstorm comes along. This great windstorm represents everything that's outside of our control. 
I want to tell you that anytime you're pursuing something of God, anytime you're pursuing God himself, you're going to encounter a windstorm. Not just one windstorm, there are going to be many windstorms. And it's, it's funny how easy it is to find people who will encourage you the wrong direction and how easy it is to go and do the wrong thing. It is not a difficult thing for me to yell at my kids and, and to be angry at my wife. It is not a difficult thing to hold a grudge or to be selfish. That's what comes naturally. But when I set my heart and my mind towards following Jesus and setting, my, setting the, the, the course of my life in the direction of his plan and purpose, instead of the plan and purpose that I have, there is always a windstorm that comes and he's always sovereign over it. But they, they don't know that yet. And so this great windstorm arises. And now these are, these are men who spend their, a lot of time on boats. They travel by boat. They, some of them, their profession was fishermen. So they, they were very familiar with boats and, and storms and safety and probably swimming. I mean, these, so, so, but they're sitting here and, they're, and they become terrified. The boat is starting to fill and they're like, it's over for us. God called us into this thing, but he's not going to be able to see us through. God called me into this marriage, but he's not going to be able to redeem it. We're not going to make it to the end. And, or God's called me into this, into this relationship or into this walk with him. I, I don't think I'm going to make it. The temptation is just too strong. The headwind is just too strong on this thing. I want to encourage you that Jesus is asleep on the boat. That seems discouraging, doesn't it? It messed, it messed up. You're like, Jesus is asleep on the boat. <laughs> That's not how you end that sentence, Pastor David. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to say, he's powerful and mighty and he'll deliver you. And we're like, yes! But it's just Jesus is asleep on the boat. <laughs> That's the good news here, that Jesus is asleep on the boat. And is anybody else, how is this good news? They're dying, and Jesus is asleep on the boat. They had the same question. How is this good news? Jesus, you invited us to go with you to the other side, and because we're your boys. You were letting us in. You were teaching us. We're, you, we were, we were going to crush Rome together like we were doing this thing and and you're sleeping and we're gonna die where are you so they they panic and they see him asleep on the cushion but he's teaching them even in his sleep it's not that he didn't care for them it's that he wasn't worried about this storm I was on a flight one time. I think I shared this story here, but I'll share it. It bears repeating. I was on a little tiny plane flying from Rochester, New York, down to here. And, and it was a little tiny plane, the kind that you hit your head on if you stand up straight. And, um, but it had a flight attendant, and we're all in there. And, and the pilot gets on, and he goes, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And we're like, oh, okay, cool, bumpy ride, that's fine. You know, we've all had turbulence before. But it was like not normal turbulence. It was the kind where the seatbelt is catching you. You know, it's the kind that you hear about on the news where like, people hit their head and stuff. And, um, and so, so we're on this plane, and we're like just bouncing. I mean, we're just bouncing all over the sky. I, I probably would have been funny to watch from the outside <laughs> because it was like a cartoon plane. And we have this, this flight attendant, a petite woman. She's like less than five feet tall. And, and she, she is in the back, and she's like, everybody stay buckled. And, and we're like, yeah, like why would we do anything but that? And... And then this other person on the plane gets a little panicky. She decides we're all going to die. And she tells us. She doesn't keep it to herself. <laughs> cool. You think we're going to die? Most of the people on the plane think you're going to die every time you land, right? And every time you take off, it's just this quiet, like, holy moment, right? <laughs> and <you're, laughs> and that's, that's why they allow us to use our phones on takeoff now on airplane mode, because they need us distracted. 
So everybody thinks you're going to die. Everybody's thinking it, but she yells it for everybody to know. And she's in full panic mode. And now other people on the flight are starting to panic a little bit. And the flight attendant is cracking up. It tickles her to death. That, that she's like, I'm going down laughing, y'all. And she thinks it's hilarious. She's laughing. And, and I'm like, I'm going with her. Because if she's not frightened, I don't have to be worried. Family, if Jesus doesn't look concerned, I don't need to be concerned. If Jesus doesn't look terrified, I don't have to be terrified. And the last I checked, because we serve an unchanging God who was and is and is to come, who's always been and always has been and always will be, I don't have to worry about a little bit of turbulence on my plane. I don't have to worry about a little turbulence in my, wife, my, my, my life or, or a little bit of water in the boat. My wife, a little bit. Y'all, I don't have to worry about <laughs> My wife. Wow. I don't have to worry about that either. <laughs> it's a true story. And you don't have to worry about a little turbulence in your husband either. Because Lord knows that's where it all is. <laughs> but y'all, we don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. Now, if you see God panic, <laughs> go ahead and panic. But he's sleeping. Because he's no, he knows he's Lord and King over all of it. He was not just showing them that he wasn't worried. He was showing them that, that another option exists. Now, this seems otherworldly and completely insane. But I had this thought this week that they could have just gone down and laid with him. <laughs> that option existed. If he said we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. If this is what I'm doing, if this is who I am, if this is what, I, if this is what I've decided is going to happen, that's it. They could have taken him at his word and laid down with him. But they didn't. And they, they learned another story. They, they learned the same story a different way. And so by, by yelling at him. <laughs> do you? I love, we read it like we're like, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? <laughs> Right, that's, how, that's how we read the Bible, and, and that's how we understand what's happening. Teacher, Jesus, um, I just, it, it came to our attention. There's some water coming over the edge of the boat, and I just wanted to make you aware of this, um, that we might die. We, we talked about it amongst ourselves. We're in agreement. I won. I, I drew the straw. I'm down here to let you know that we're going to die. <laughs> don't you care that we're perishing? Yeah. And I'm sure Jesus wakes up and he looks at them with this thought that you have, you have no idea how much that's true, but different than you think. Yeah. The water wasn't the danger. Yeah. The wind was never the danger. It's the sin that entraps us that's the danger. Does he know we're perishing? Yes, he knows we're perishing. That's what provoked God to become flesh and walk among us. Do you know that we're perishing? Yes, absolutely. That's what provoked Jesus to step out of eternity into time, take on the form of a human, to put on human flesh, to be born of a woman, to be born of a virgin woman, and to live a perfect life. 
and then die the most excruciating and gruesome death possible. And, and the only person who doesn't deserve it is the one who got it. And he chose to do that because he knew we were perishing. Now, when I know something somebody else doesn't know, I tell them. And so they say, don't you care that we were perishing? Now, if I was Jesus in this moment, I would have been like, do you even understand? You don't even understand how much I know. Like, I know things about Apple phones that you don't even know about. Don't even exist yet. That's how I would have responded. But, but, he, but he responds very differently. We'll get to that in just a second. But I want to ask the question, what are you really afraid of? Because what they were afraid of is not the storm. It wasn't the water. It was they were afraid of, of death. And so I just want to, this is just a good question for reflection that, you know, sometimes we think that we're afraid of change, but really the thing that we're afraid of is failure. Yeah. Right? We're like, I just don't like change. No, you do. You change your clothes almost every day. <laughs> you change the bed, you change your sheet beds. You like it. You're like, you're, sheet beds. What is my language today? bed sheets. And so you've got bed sheets and you're like, change them. They're so smooth when they're clean. I love it on my feet. You know, like you just, we change things all the time. We like it. We just like it when we're in control of the change. Because when we're in control of the change, we can control, we think the result. But so I would encourage you next time you feel anxious or insecure or angry or mad or sad or glad, just say, what is the real reason that I feel this way? I might actually just be afraid of death, right? And you're like, why does death have anything to do with this promotion? Because our, our brains are wired funny. Our soul is wired kind of, it's, it's confusing. But sometimes, sometimes the thing that we're most afraid of isn't the thing that we think we're afraid of. So they, they weren't afraid of the storm. They were afraid of their, their death. And so you're not afraid of the change. You're afraid of the, don't say it. <laughs> or you could say it. That's cool. That's transparent. Um, there's so much I want to say there. Um, whatever it is that you're afraid of, the promise, is, the promise of this passage is that God is powerful over it. And this is one of my favorite parts of the whole story. So Jesus comes and he calms the storm. I actually, I don't have any slides on that because that's actually not my favorite part. Um, he, it says, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So he calms it just with a word, just peace, and everything stopped. And they knew the reason he wasn't scared. They knew the reason he was able to sleep in the midst of the storm. They knew the reason he didn't fear for his own death, for their death, is because he was powerful and sovereign over it. But here's the next part, and this is that part that I love so much. So after this happens, Yeah. And they were filled, they were filled with great fear and said to one another. So after he calms the storm, so they, they were terrified when the storm was happening. They thought they were going to die. Jesus, we're perishing. We're dying. You forgot about us. We're not going to make it. Your word failed. You, you're not a very good leader. Uh, we, we hate to break it to you. He calms it. And now they were filled with great fear after it was calmed. Everything's good. What is there to fear? 
It's a different, it's a different idea that's being communicated now because it's tied to this thought, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There was this reverential fear and awe and shock and terror that came over them because the man who was with them had authority over their most terrifying thing. They don't even know how much. Right now, that's just, that's just the water. But remember, what God is speaking to in this moment, what Jesus is speaking to is not the water. He's speaking to the death that they're afraid of. He's showing them, I'm sovereign over all these things. You have no need to fear because I'm in complete control over every bit of it. And they looked at him and they were like, oh my. I went to a, my sister got me a, a, a pass for some training sessions at a UFC gym, you know, like a MMA gym. And so, so I went and, you know, I'm talking with the trainer and he had me doing some drills. And I was like, these drills, I mean, we've got three sessions. Am I going to get the fight? Because... That's what I'm here for. I'm, I want to stomp you. And he's a guy who fights. And um, to, I, he told me he lost a lot of fights. So I was like, I feel like I can take you. I'm <laughs> just, just being honest. And it was, like, it was like, okay, so you lost your fight. His nose is all crooked and eyes black from his last loss. And his ears all funky, like cauliflower swollen. And, and I'm like, I can totally take this guy. I'm like, I just want to make sure we get to some fighting. And he's like, we'll get to some fighting. And um, so, so we're doing the drills, and all along I'm thinking this guy's like just like me, right? Just bruised version of me. And and then and then we he's like, okay, let's let's go, let's let's grapple. It's just like wrestling on the ground, right? And I'm like, easy enough. I'm like, you don't know me. I beat my son all the time. <laughs> You're not ready for this. My son's like eight now, so he was probably five. And it was like, you know, but I'm sitting there. And I'm like, I fight all my kids at the same time and win every time. So. You lost a fight last weekend. I beat three at the same time last night. So it's clear what's going to happen. And if I had been looking with a different lens, it would have been clear to me what was about to happen. <laughs> so, so he basically attacks me like a mongoose, just like her, like, like, just like Satan. Just, ah, like just some demon power possessed, or he just works out and fights a lot. Um, and he gets on top of me, and he's got me in this position where I'm like, well, this is how it ends. <laughs> that was the dumbest decision. I, it ends with a stupid decision. Not a blaze of glory. Just some guy who got beat up last weekend is going to murder me in this stinky gym because of a free pass. It was like bad decision. Bad, it was like a carnival of bad decisions, just a festival of them. And I'm like, this is how I die under this guy who can't win a fight. At least he's got a story. Goodbye. But like I had no, I, but my, the point of my story is not my fighting skills. Um, the point of, but, but when I saw how, oh, when I saw how strong he was and I saw how powerful he was, I viewed him completely different. I was like, man, this guy has authority over every single one of my muscles. He is powerful, and I was, I was scared by that. I, there was actually, all joking aside, there was a moment of terror where it was like, I don't know what to do. I, I, like this guy, like his arms were concrete, and I'm jello. This is, this is, I was scared and amazed that we were built from different things, and yet we looked kind of the same. And, and so here they are with Jesus, this guy who looks 
kind of the same. He's sleeping on a boat. And then he speaks to their circumstance and tells it to be still. And it, it becomes completely still. And their thought is not just, oh my, he can stop water. It's, oh my, is there anything he can't stop? Because he stopped this thing that was outside of my control. What is there that he can't stop that's outside of my control? And the answer to that family is there is nothing that our God cannot stop that exists outside of his ability to control, to bring peace to, to bring stillness to, to bring victory over. Amen? He would conquer death ultimately on the cross through his resurrection. And so he would, he would destroy every enemy that could ever take us down. And he would show them that he's powerful over far more than just the weather. But he's far, powerful over all things that have ever been and ever will be created.